Rebecca. And this is Brandon. And we are a couple of theater nerds. Who enjoy going to movies and enjoy talking about movies. And also disagreeing about them. <laughs> because we like to disagree about the movies when we talk about the movies. <laughs> What's funny about this to me is that you wrote it. Yeah. Remember you it. wrote it, and then like the first few episodes where I had to read it from the script, you were like, oh. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. ADHD, guys. Like, what what can I say? Like, just because I can give you brilliance doesn't mean it's going to be brilliance every time. Oh, okay. All right. uh, but anyway, so yes, yeah, so join us as we watch the movies, or as we watch it. <laughs> And there I go. There I go. Anyways, this is the Drive Home Reviews Podcast. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Drive Home Reviews. And today we are talking about the movie Renfield, which has the distinction of being one of the goriest movies I have seen in quite some time. This movie is like... Oh, this is, there's this new fad, and I don't think, it's it's not new, really. It's not new. But it's been, it's been building, and you see it in things like Violent Night, Cocaine Bear, and this, that you just, these are these movies that are just so incredibly fucking all over the place, and just like, balls to the wall insane with everything and this one takes people thought violent night was gory this right. thing is like so what we have mentioned in previous episodes that brandon is not a fan of the gore and even i have my limits like i will watch quentin tarantino but when they rebooted the evil dead and the rain like the blood was just pouring down like rain like that was too much for me um so gore um and not just like blood. what is it good for <laughs> not just blood but also you are but also al gore no. <laughs> focus sorry focus my love um you are not a fan of toilet humor either no i am not no not the not throwing up not i'm i'm it's got to be very specific but yeah, I'm not, I don't like watching people go to the toilet in okay. a movie. I don't like seeing people sitting on the toilet. I don't like, it's, yeah, it's it's not a thing that I enjoy. So is there times when grossness, toilet humor, gore is good for the story, actually moves the story forward? Like, have there been times when you saw that? Now, from my perspective... I don't mind toilet humor. Um, I am a person who lives with celiac disease. Okay. My dad had colon cancer. Um, toilet humor was kind of a gallows humor, macabre type of thing that we just, you know, thought was funny because it was something that we had to deal with. Um, so when you have the scene like Dumb and Dumber, where Lloyd is stuck in the toilet with the laxative, we all lost our business watching that movie. You know, like the scene in Bridesmaids 
where they all get food poisoning at the, the bridal store, like legitimately like thought I was going to wet my pants laughing. Okay. So like, it doesn't take much for me to think that gore or toilet humor moves a, a movie forward. But what about you? Um, I, I, I am struggling. I can think of a, of an instance when toilet humor moved a story forward. You're not going to like my answer. Okay. But I can think of a, you know, one of the, one of the early episodes of South Park um, where everybody had, uh, had explosive diarrhea. Okay. And this was, this was Matt Stone and Trey Parker directly addressing the criticism that their show was nothing but toilet humor. And basically saying, no, this is nothing but toilet humor, <laughs> you know. And uh, so in that instance, but I say that I don't like watching that episode. Okay. So, so. Well, and this is the ironic thing is that you love South Park. I do. I love South Park. I love Family Guy. I love American Dad. I do not like South Park. And one of the things that turned me off to South Park was the whole Mr. Hanky situation. <laughs> okay. 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 Fair enough. I, I do think Mr. Mr. Hanky has his moments. So like, I can't like, that was one of the things that I just could not do. I think, I guess my limit, my hard limit is people touching the poop. Okay. Mm, okay. So, <laughs> which apparently you have no trouble with. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't say. I didn't say that necessarily. Like they've done a couple of episodes where with Mr. Hanky, where I'm just like, oh, okay, no. And even if even if I like the episode, there are parts that I'm just like, oh, you know, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it is. I've just never been a fan of shit humor of vomit humor i don't like watching people throw up you know i hey, just... what about something like stand by me where they have the scene at the pie eating contest yeah no i'm not a fan <laughs> you know i'm just i'm just not a fan of it i just it it's it's just not something i like seeing it's not something i like thinking about it's not something i like doing you know, so watching other characters vomit and stuff is not like me going, yay! You heard it here first, folks. Brandon Lawrence, adamantly against body fluids. In, in my humor. In my humor. And, I, and again, I'm sure that if I really think about it, probably once we're done recording, uh, I'll think of 20 different examples that prove me wrong. I'm sure there are exceptions to that rule. I'm sure there are things I've watched where I'm like, oh, okay, that fart joke. You know, fart jokes I don't necessarily mind. Right. Fart jokes are okay. But, you know, where I'm like, oh, that person getting doused in shit it was hilarious. And it's like, I, I I, cannot think of really any. What franchise, that now that you just said that, what is it that they always, is it Back to the Future where he always lands in manure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you didn't like that either, huh? I mean, I didn't like Back to the Future, so I mean, oh, yeah, I know that's going to get me get controversial. That, that's going to get me hate mail from people. I never found, <laughs> I never thought Back to the Future was that good. So tell me, what is the line for you? Is it an automatic no? I can't endorse this movie, 
if there's like vomit or um i don't know i i i don't think there is a hard line i think it is a case by case film by film um or show by show uh reevaluation do i think that everything surrounding it was good enough that i can either fight my way through that one scene or fast forward through it or whatever or is it something where okay here's here's a good example um maybe not the best example um but uh we were we just last episode we're talking about the scream franchise right well uh i'm going to talk about it's immediate equivalent the scary movie franchise oh gosh um (laughs) where the very first scary movie had some gross out humor in it but it also had some some other funny things in it that i can enjoy whereas the second scary movie because they weren't really planning on there being a second scary movie and kind of going back to what we were talking about last time the second scary movie is almost entirely gross-out humor. Hmm. You know, and in that, there's there's two funny lines in that movie that I can remember, but they're not worth me fighting through all of that other disgusting stuff. Whereas the first scary movie, I can still watch and enjoy a lot of the bits and either zip past or ignore the more gross-out humor aspect that I wasn't a fan of. So does it make a difference if it's a comedy versus like a drama? Because I think of something like a good person where she's going through withdrawal and she's throwing up. Um, I think it does. Cause I think even in that, um, I really didn't need to see her throwing up, but it was, it was more, that's part of what happens right. in, in, in withdrawal. And I don't feel it was gratuitous. Like she didn't throw up for a solid two minutes. Okay. You know, or something, you know, we didn't, you know, she didn't spew all over, you know, her birthday party and everybody's getting covered in it kind of thing. You know, it was, there's the scene that's part of what happens. It's done and we can kind of move on. Right. You know, I think, I think that does make a, make a difference. But again, I can't say there's a, there's a hard line. So it's just going to be a case by case basis. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Now, I will say there are moments when, like, it gets to be too much for me. And I am cautious of those because our youngest, she is sensitive She's to, very all, sensitive like, to. Any, any gore. any. She has to get a an excuse to get out of, you know, frog dissection. Well, even, know? like, even uh, you know, when we watched uh, last year and we watched the Weird Al biopic and there's that scene where he, his father, like, beats up the accordion salesman. Right. You know, she couldn't handle that. Right. So, yeah, they're like, I think that there's, it just, it just depends on each movie case by case. Yeah. Okay. You know? Okay. Here's a, here's you know, another good example. Um, going back to, to Violent Night, like one of the first things that happened in there is Santa Claus vomits in the sled and hits a woman in the face. I fucking hated that. It was, it was too much, but I love the rest of that movie. I love the movie as a whole. Okay. You know? Okay, so you can look past things if the rest of the movie is quality enough. Yes. So one of the comparisons as we watch Renfield was Quentin Tarantino. Um, 
I'm going to guess you're not a Tarantino guy. I'm not a Tarantino guy, and I'm I, but not because of the gore. I'll be honest. I'm saying all the controversial shit. That's right, folks. It is controversy day. On <laughs> I, I feel Quentin Tarantino is one of the most overrated <laughs> directors and writers in history. Everybody oh. just is. How explicit can I get on our podcast? I never used to worry about it with the YouTube. Um, uh, like people just drop to their knees and suck him off for all of his movies. And I, I've seen, I've seen Pulp Fiction. I saw the first Kill Bill, and I saw a little bit of Inglorious Bastards, and was like, "What the fuck is everybody just?" gushing all over this is ridiculous i am am not a quentin tarantino stan i i'm not big on um inglorious bastards i'm not big on uh from dusk till dawn um and i don't i can't i don't even know that i've ever watched reservoir dogs all the way through but I, I do like Pulp Fiction. I like Jackie Brown. I liked, um, oh gosh, what was the other one I was just thinking? Oh, I liked the Kill Bill series. I liked mm-hmm. Kill Bill 1 and 2. Um, but that may have been more to do with Uma Thurman and all of the other lovely ladies kicking ass mm-hmm. rather than, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you got to remember at that point in time, you don't really get female superheroes. So a team of female assassins is pretty kick-ass. I mean, that's fair. So, but he is really well known for taking the gore to the next level. Yeah. And I just, I, but, but my, my distaste of his films is not because of the gore. Okay. It's because I just don't like his movies. I just think he's, He's more pompous than he is insightful. Now, going the other way, I know you're a big Kevin Smith fan. Yeah. And Clerks and the clerk, like the Clerks movies in particular, have some very graphic toilet humor. But you're okay with that. I can overlook it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Like, okay. Fair. Good example. One of my all time favorite movies is Dogma. Right. The Kevin Smith film i think that is such an insightful well-written um just interesting it, it is a great great movie but there's that whole thing with the shit demon okay oh, which i fast forward through every time because i find it disgusting oh. so but i i can overlook that scene or i can skip that scene and move on because the rest of the movie is so engaging hmm. you know yeah. And every everybody has a different tolerance level. Everybody has a different threshold. So I'm not... I think it's important to state this because I, I, I it's so easy to fall into this. And I uh, I don't want the Love and Kearney people coming after me again. <laughs> um, if you like gore, if you like toilet humor, if you like Quentin Tarantino or, you know, anybody else, that is fine and dandy. Fine and dandy. I am not sitting here saying that my views are the only ones or the right ones. I'm saying that is how I feel. If you like them, then mazel tov. Enjoy. Well, let's get into it and see if Renfield 
if the good of the movie outweighed the bad of the gore. So. Well, but uh, okay, before we move on, maybe I should I should clarify that when it comes to gore, like something like this, the gore is so over the top. You know, it's so. Well, explain that to us in the review section, okay. sir. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, so come back after the break, and we'll talk about Renfield. We need to get sponsors. And we're back. And that commercial was brought to you by Yawn. If you like making things, make it with Yawn. <laughs> there. I feel like our, our breaks are justified now. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. And we just settled on yarn because of my giant pile of... Because it's, it's like right here. To we, be crocheted We Kaiser associated it. So anyways, <laughs> let's talk Renfield. So this is uh, a movie about Dracula, but not told from Dracula's perspective, told from the perspective of his servant, Renfield, um, the bug-eating fella. The familiar. Familiar. Um, and as you were saying in the last episode, this was initially meant to be part of a franchise. This this film has some interesting backstory before we get into it. So yeah, from the little from the research we did, we do research here. You may not <laughs> think we do, but we do research. Um, in that we do quick internet searches, or she does. Thanks, Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, but yes, apparently, from what you discovered, the uh, the original concept for this movie was supposed to be part of Universal's aborted Dark Universe franchise that they were planning to start to combat uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They released that god-awful Tom Cruise mummy movie, and then well, the whole thing was, went... <laughs> part of that was that they were trying to not lose those properties. Yeah. Because if you don't use the properties within a certain amount of time, then you the 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 trademark, I guess? Well, I, 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 think it, I think with them, when this is getting off on a whole other rant, um, I think with them, it's kind of the same thing with the with Disney is that Disney doesn't own Snow White because that story's in the public domain. They own their version of it. Right. The dress, the dwarves, you know. And I think that's kind of the same thing with things like The Invisible Man, The Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein, right. The Wolfman. I think the only one they out and out created was The Creature from the Black Lagoon. But I think all the other ones, it's you. Like, you can make a million movies called Frankenstein. People have right because that's property that's owned by you know. Yeah, that's that's public domain. I think yeah. at this point, but their version of it and Universal was so known for those the standards of those horror movies: Bela Lugosi as Dracula, Boris Karloff as the monster. Lon Chaney Jr. as the Wolfman. They were so known for it that those have kind of become synonymous with their studio. Right. So this was originally meant to be part of that world, but the mummy was like a total flop. It was and garbage. So it got put on the back shelf. And then Robert Kirkman, who you know created The Walking Dead, kind of was like, hey, what if we really lean into the comedy? of this 
um, rather than, you know, trying to take it all seriously because come on, this is a guy that eats bugs and, you know, is servant to Dracula. Like nope. before we get into this, I want to, I want to point this out. So you can take this either as a redefinition of a, a film from a failed franchise or as my my best friend Matt pointed out to me, you could look at it as the longest time between an original movie and a and a direct sequel <laughs> ever. If you, if you think of it as a direct sequel to the original Dracula, uh, you, it's like ninety one years right. between the two movies. <laughs> yeah, nineteen thirty one. Yep, was when Dracula came out. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, 90, 92 years. Which I don't know if that theory holds up because there were several direct sequels to that Dracula movie. Anyway. (laughs) Anyways, yes. So we have Renfield. um, And they really do take a comedic turn with it. What is fascinating about this movie is that if you look at one aspect of this movie, it is a kind of sweet, coming-of-age, funny um the guy discovering who he is and getting out of a toxic relationship kind of situation if you look at a different aspect of it it is the freaking matrix done by quentin tarantino and if you look at a different aspect of it it's freaking scarface (laughs) with more gore like and then there is the horror overlay to the whole thing like this is a lot of different ideas kind of crammed into one. The, the question is, does it work? Ah, and that's that's I think where we're gonna have a little bit of a disagreement. So our Renfield is played by Nicholas Holt. Okay. Who is who, as we said, uh watching it, I'm so used to seeing him do American accents. Right. That I forget he's British. Yes. And so that when he when I see him in a movie using his British accent, it always sounds fake at first. <laughs> well, what's funny too is that he is going to be in no, the reboot of Nosferatu. Yeah. Um, but not playing Renfield in that. So um then of course Nicholas Cage's Dracula, which has got to be some of the best casting <laughs> that I've ever seen. Um Aquafina. Um, Who's in everything? Yeah, she's like the freaking rock. Like, mm-hmm. how many movies is Aquafina just in? Uh, and then uh, Shore Adashlu, uh, the Iranian Persian actress who is amazing and has the most distinctive voice. She does of like any actress. Uh, ben Schwartz, uh, Parks and Rec fame, uh, and also you know, voice of Sonic, but. Like he will always be John Ralphio to me, uh, is playing our, our bad guy mobster fellow there. Um, and then we have a lot of really good bit characters, Jenna Cannell, Bess Rouse, Camille Shen, but also Adrian Martinez as Aquafina's partner. And what I think is might maybe one of the best comedic roles in this whole movie, Brandon Scott Jones is the leader of his toxic relationship group. Yes. He has got like that, the comic timing that Brandon Scott Jones has in this is just perfect. He is so good. Yes. And so, and I, um, I loved all of the stuff with the group. Yeah. I love everything. I loved, uh, he was amazing. 
Right. You know, like one of the laugh out loud funny moments of this is when, you know, Renfield's in there and he's talking about, you know, you know, and if I don't help my master, he can't achieve full power. And the leader of the, it's like, yes, that's brilliant. That's so weird. Why would you phrase it like that? Oh my God, yes. Yeah. Can't without, it's like, it was such a quick turnaround. It was so, it's it was, just, it was, it was great. so good. And um, then like the other members of like, there's this bit that Carol can't finish. Yeah. Like, like every and... time she's having a breakthrough, Redfield bursting, she's like, oh, well, I got to fuck Carol then. Yeah. So yeah, just like the stuff with the, with the, the group was just inspired. You know what another really funny bit was, and maybe this is my South Park fan thing coming out, is the cop Kyle. Who they're just like just like talking to you like yo fuck you Kyle yeah, <laughs> yeah like, everything was like fuck you Kyle it was just, it just, it was, uh, yeah uh, my South Park fan just laughed at that so uh, but then we have you know the storyline with Aquafina versus the I think Bella Francesca family or no the Tobos the Lobos Lobos the... sorry yes I was gonna get it eventually the Lobos um. I like how during the movie, she knows so much. <laughs> Rebecca knows so much. And she loves sharing that. But I don't think you know that I know things. I know. Like, I like you lean over to me. I like, Lobo means wolf. <laughs> That's why they have wolves. I was like, yes, I believe it or not, I, I, I comprehended that. <laughs> But it's just the way you said it, it's like, Lobo means wolf, you know. It's like the teacher part of yes. me, you know? Like, so. The teacher mother part of you. But, uh, yeah, so we've got, you know, Shorey Abdashlu is, is playing Bella, that's where the Bella Francesca comes in. Bella Francesca Lobo, who is the head of the crime family of Ben Schwartz, is her son. Um, and then, like, so it's this, like, this rivalry between aquafina it's the whole you killed my father yes and i'm gonna bring you down but the whole the whole police force is corrupt kind of i mean you've, you've seen these you know and then you've got dracula who is trying to recover but he needs innocent victims and renfield is struggling with like he doesn't want to bring him any more victims anymore and so like you've got Basically, three different movies going on that are meshing into the yeah. movie. So, uh, all right, go ahead, spill your beans. Um, <laughs> I think that's part of the fun of this movie, but I also think it's its biggest detriment. Okay. Um, because if you asked me after we watched this, did you have fun watching that movie? The answer is yes. I had a lot of fun. Um, and it's, you sound so depressed about it. Though. Well, I mean, <laughs> yes, I, I had fun. I do, I do, <laughs> and that's because I have to add the caveat that I think I would have had more fun if the movie had picked a lane and stayed in it. I think this movie was at its best when it was the story of when you were using it as a metaphor for a toxic relationship, a codependent relationship. And the stuff with the group, the scene where Dracula is confronting Renfield in his in his apartment. Mm -hmm. You know, all of that was like really it was funny, it was insightful, it was 
really clever and well done. So you would have just left out the whole part with Aquafina, Or used her in a different way. Because it's like you had this great high concept comedy that I think you could have milked for an entire movie. And then there's all this batshit insane <laughs> oh, uber gory fight scenes going on. And it, it I can't say that there was a tonal shift in it because it all felt like it belonged in the same world, but it's like, what movie are we making here? What story are we telling? See, and I think to me, that was kind of the pleasure of it was that it was like, what is this movie? And all of these things are, I felt like they intersected more cleanly than you did. I felt like the... The stuff with Aquafina and Lobo tied in really well into this story of Renfield's looking for himself. And Aquafina's character is the one who kind of helps him along that pathway. They kind of help each other um, kind of move forward from the places that they're at. So I I feel like it tied all together. I felt like it was a good I batch it crazy yes but not in a bad way and here's the thing i'm not saying it wasn't a good fun movie what i'm saying is that i feel like there was a much better movie buried in it that i i wanted more of that okay and because bad shit crazy movies have their place they, you know, I like I said, I've mentioned it twice. I love Violent Night. And that's a batshit crazy movie. Okay, but would you have had, like, you say you wanted more of that. Would more of it have been too trickly? Would it have been too so. much? I don't think so. I think there was, I, I think with the right, and they had, they obviously had some smart writers. And they obviously had some very good actors. Um going in i think you could have done a lot and you could have gotten a lot of mileage mm. from this from just there's a lot of things that they uh they kind of sped through to get to the next uh the next batshit crazy part you know renfield deciding i'm not gonna serve dracula anymore that just kind of happened no, he had been and, there for quite a bit. And I think we could have explored that a little bit more. I think See, there's... I think our fundamental difference right here, it comes from, you know, our backgrounds in watching horror movies and things like that. Because Robert Kirkman and The Walking Dead, that was a comic book. And then it got turned into the show. And it retained a lot of those comic booky type styles. And the same thing with like the, uh, what's his name? I want to say Frank Capra, but it's not Frank Cap Frank Miller, like Sin City type of thing where you have, it's, it, it's retaining some of the comic bookiness. And I think that that's kind of what they did here. It was I a think, very comic booky. Type I think of that's movie. what they were going for, but I don't think it, it landed. I think I, I commented on the red and green lighting. Right. And, uh, and yeah, obviously 
like you said, it was there to try to give it a very stylized mm -hmm. look. And like you say, to make it look like a comic book. But all it succeeded in doing for me was making the film look flat. The, the color palette didn't work. It didn't pop. See, I think the flatness of it translated for me because of it being like a graphic novel. You know, I think it made it more artistic. I like that. I, was... I would, I would respectfully disagree. Well, I, you know, that's fine. Make your own charcuterie board. <laughs> damn. But no, like I do, and that was something I did enjoy about the Walking Dead, and I did enjoy about the, the Frank Miller movies, like you know the um, the Three Hundred and, and Sin City, is that you have a surrealness that's not exactly true to nature. And that, I mean, really with the, um, the concept, I'm not sure in Dracula, does he eat the bug and then get power normally? No. In the, that, in, he just eats bugs. Yeah. He just eats bugs. It's basically just the thing that he does. But like with this whole concept, like he eats a bug and he gets the superpower, like it really adds kind of a, fun layer to it so i don't know i i did not mind the over the top batshit craziness of it like the point where at like he rips off a guy's arms and then uses them as weapons like that was nuts and again i think i i, I want to make sure i'm stating this i did not mind the batshit craziness of it it was fun but you felt like it should have been two different movies but i felt yeah i felt like there were two different movies there and the one I found more interesting and I wanted to spend more time with was the story of Renfield and the toxic relationship, which sounds like a very weird <laughs> children's book, Renfield and the toxic relationship. you know, but I, you know, I, uh, I would read that book. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not to say that I didn't enjoy the batshit craziness of it. It's not to say that, that it wasn't a fun movie. It's to say, I think there was a much better movie hidden in there now there's still stuff about this i like one of the things i truly love because i am a big fan of the original universal uh horror movies the the universal monster films i love how in the beginning when renfield is giving the narration kind of brings up to speed they put nicholas holt and yes. nicholas cage into the bella lugosi yes movie that was that was it, great, and it was so well done. Like it, yeah, like it wasn't noticed. Like it did not look like bad Photoshop at all. No, it looked or it did enough that you kind of get okay what they're doing. But it like they mimicked the movements, the makeup, the hair. Right. It was just it was just incredibly well done. And I, again, as a lover of those movies, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. I have to praise the special effects in this too. Mm. Like especially Nicolas Cage's makeup. Oh yeah, that's some great makeup. Oh, it was nuts. Like the cuz you know he keeps getting destroyed in different ways and so he has all of these different injuries and like they just did a great job mm -hmm. with the special effects. Yeah. So and the settings like the Dracula's lair was just so creepy and then Renfield's apartment was so cheerful like, yeah I mean I just I really enjoyed the colors and the look of this movie um 
So we've talked all about that. Um, what about what about the performances? What, we, we really haven't talked about the. So I know you're not a fan of the X Men movies that he was in, but I I, I was okay with First Class. I liked Nicholas Holtz as Hank McCoy. Like Beast is my favorite X Men character, and I really enjoyed Nicholas Holtz as Beast. Um, and I think that he did a really good job in this too. He really does a good job of of writing that line between superhero and awkward nerdy guy. Mm. Like he has a sweet spot right in there. Um, Nicholas Cage was Nicholas Cage. <laughs> like, I mean, I, Nicholas Cage might be Dracula. Um, see now that, that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, in just, uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll take a quick break and give you another word from yarn before we come back and talk a little bit about uh, where does Nicolas Cage's performance fall in the pantheon of Draculas? <laughs> okay. Because there's there's been a lot of Draculas. Okay. So uh, All right, so let's take a break and listen to a little tune about yarn. We hope you enjoyed that imaginary tune about yarn. Gee, Mom, this sweater is great. What'd you make it out of? Well, honey, I made it out of yarn. yarn. That's right, yarn. Purple yarn, yellow yarn, orange yarn, green yarn. Those are the colors of yarn. Buy yarn. Anyway. Yes, I am. I'm making a rainbow something. So all of the colors were there. I just feel like we need to justify those breaks. Anyway. Um, so uh, the question posed uh, before we uh, went to break was, Nicholas Cage as Dracula, and where does his performance fall in the pantheon of Draculas? I honestly, okay, so I'm not going to be as good at this as you because you are actually a lot more into the classic monster movies than I am. Um, I think Bella Lugosi set the bar for Draculas. Definitely. I think the guy that they had played Dracula in Buffy was pretty decent. I don't know who that was. I don't know who that was either. Um, and I have a feeling I know who you're going to say is above Nicolas Cage, but I really think Nic Nicolas who Cage you, is Who do you there. think? No, you go ahead. No, I want, I want to know who you think. Um, was it Leslie Nielsen who no. played in Dracula Dead and Loving he, it? He was, but that's not my... I think there are two types of Dracula performances. Okay. I think there is the over-the-top kind of Nicolas Cage Dracula. Uh -huh. And I think a lot of them... Uh, some might call it stylized. Um, I feel like that was the Gary Oldman portrayal. Was a very stylized, over-the-top Dracula. Right. Um, and then there is the Bela Lugosi Dracula, the suave, sophisticated, you know, like almost Gomez Adams right. kind of. Um, and that's kind not of, that he's super handsome, but that he's but that there there is a charm and a sex yes. appeal, and yet a danger. Right. So obviously, Bela Lugosi is or not Bela, yeah, Bela Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> is the uh, is the premier Dracula, but you know who does not get a lot of credit for his portrayal of D Dracula? Duncan Rager. 
Okay. You might know him best as Beverly Crusher's ghost lover. <laughs> okay, but where was he Dracula? He played Dracula in the Monster Squad. Oh, my And God. he was so good. Yeah, but that I blocked that movie out. Well, I'm sorry for you. Because that is not only a great 80s movie, but that is probably one of the best Dracula performances. Because he is very much in that Bela Lugosi vein. That suave, I don't have to chase after you. I don't have to run. Because I know I'm going to get you. That dangerous, and yet when he gets mad, it's scary. Like, I think he is an underrated Dracula. Can I tell you honestly, though, I have a problem with Draculas that are too white. I think that's a fair assessment. Like, I think that there's some Draculas that are just too too white. And he he would have been Eastern European, Slavic. He would have looked more like my coloring than he would be, you know, Beverly Crusher's ghost lover. So, yeah. Um, he all... You know, he also might have the distinction of having nailed both Beverly Crusher and Kira Norris. So. That's right, because he was also... He was one of her boring boyfriends, too. Uh, she had the most boring boyfriends. Anyways, <laughs> uh, but I, I have a whole section of movies that I just block out or just like my brain won't let me enjoy because they were some of my ex-husband's favorites. Mm. So, and unfortunately monster squad isn't there. Uh, we're so. going to, we're going to have to like, no, you just watch it when I'm not around. Not a big deal. Mm, anyway. Yeah. But, but like it or not, he was one of the best Draculas. Now I liked Nicholas Cage's Dracula, but it was one of the more, over the top because that's Nicholas freaking cage. I think though that he did have some, like when the, the problem is for the majority of the movie, he's in the recovery monstery phase. Yeah. Now when he's not in that phase, when he is Mr. Smoothie, he was pretty smooth. Yeah, no, I agree. So I think he did a great job. I think he was really up there. I think he did a great job for, for this movie. Right. He was the Dracula. This movie needed. So what about the other characters? We got had Sheree Abdashlu. I think she did a great job as I believe her as a mafia boss. She has, she is one of the most underrated actors. I think so too. Um, she's a character actor, um, another Star Trek alumni. She was a Law and Order SVU too. Yeah. So. And so was I mean there was a couple Law and Order. You know, guys she played there. she played Bashir's mother. Mm -hmm. Um, but her voice is yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> And you like, she has such screen presence that anything she she's in, she just, even when she's playing a softer spoken character, she just steals the screen. Yes. You know, she's that damn good. She, and we were talking about this. There's something about her features that like, she looks very much like the females on my mom's side of the family. Mm. And like, so like, I could just picture her at, at a family reunion. So there's something about her presence on screen that is very comforting to me. <laughs> I just really like Shoray uh, Agdash. Yeah, I do too. What about Ben Schwartz? Now, you're not a Parks and Rec guy. You've been dragged into Parks and Rec because, you know, we you watch it, it every yeah. year. Um, what did you, how do you think he did in that character of Little Lobo? I thought he was fine. Yeah? I mean, yeah. Just, I mean... 
I think there it's is so a, hard. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I think there is a very specific type of character. He is just great at playing, and it's this smarmy kind of rich guy mm. who's too big for his britches. Okay. Um, and this is a again where we're probably going to differ greatly. I think it's really hard for me to kind of judge some of those some of those other trickle down characters who weren't like because him, Aquafina her sister they were very generic characters just very you've seen their character types in a million different movies and i don't feel like any of them did anything much different than uh than any of the actors preceding them did in those now, kind of movies i would have to agree with you on the aquafina part like i would probably say that she was one of the least impressive roles. I just, I think she's done some great stuff, and I think she can be really sparkling. And she just didn't sparkle in. This. I do not hate Aquafina. Well, that's nice of you to but say. But I have never been particularly <laughs> impressed by her. I'm gonna make you a T-shirt that says "I do not hate Aquafina." Well, I, I, I want it. I want it understood because there are actors I absolutely hate, right, and can't stand seeing. She's not one of them, but I've never been particularly impressed by her. See, I've liked her. No, you liked her in the funeral. The funeral? Not the funeral. What was it? It's a movie about a funeral. I, I'm not sure what we're talking about. I'll have to remember what it is. Yes. Um. But like, I I like her. I think she's funny. I think she's got a good presence. Um. I think she's kind of versatile. Um. But she just like there was. I don't know if she was taking it too seriously. I don't. Or I don't what. think she's that versatile, to be honest. Sorry, I'm just <laughs> I'm messing with you. Um, but yeah, I just I, she wasn't doing it for me in this. The the like I said before, the big characters were blowing it out of the water. Yeah, because they they were just like you know her her partner was okay, Adrian was, Martinez. Yeah, He's he so was funny. He was pretty funny. Um, again, everybody in the support group. Oh yeah, was was really great. But, I could like Brandon Scott Jones. Like he is. Yeah, he's not gotten a lot of big parts, but like he has kind of killed it in all of his mm -hmm. all of his. Yeah, I, I, the farewell is the movie I was thinking of. I. I know we have talked. Never mind. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I know. I, I know. I watched and reviewed the farewell, <laughs> but I don't. I don't remember liking it. Anyway, so but anyway, um, but yeah, so <laughs> so two separate movies, and you didn't like the trickle down characters. Any other last thoughts? Not really, and I, I guess my is just to reiterate what I've said before is that it's a good time. It's a fun movie, right? You know, it's not. I didn't hate it. It's. Uh, even <laughs> even sitting here talking about it, even with the objections I had, it was still something that I'd probably watch again. But I just feel like there was... A, for some folks, I guess it's okay to kind of get a little bit of something and, and or get a variety of things, I guess, like a variety pack. But when I see a movie that has a really interesting premise or a really 
um, a concept that has the ability to stretch and really delve deep and have more fun, and it doesn't do that, it just bugs me. I think it just had fun in a different way than you wanted it to. And, you know, fair enough. But I think this could have been a great movie as opposed to a good, decent movie. Do you know, I really do think the part of the the batshit crazy part of this movie that I really enjoyed is the concept that we have so much going on in the world right now that feels like we're powerless against. And no matter what we do, the bullies keep coming at us. And I just, every once in a while, it's just so nice to see something where the bullies just get what they deserve. You know, I can't disagree with that. Again, violent night. Right. You know, again, so I can't, I can't disagree with that assessment. All right. So what are you going to grade this as? Um, that's a tough question. That's a tough question for me. Because um, I feel like if I go one way, I'm being too harsh. If I go another way, I'm being too generous. So I'm going to grade this one a B minus. <laughs> and the reason I graded B minus is because there is a lot of creativity on display here. There's a lot of interesting ideas on display here. There's some really good performances on display here. And again, a fun movie when all is said and done. Um, there's a part of me that wants to knock it down to a C plus, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little nicer to it than than that. I think I go A minus. Um, I like there was some parts that needed polishing up. Like I said, they they there was just something missing from Aquafina's performance. I I thought it was fine, but it wasn't what it could have been. Uh, but I enjoyed this movie a lot. I enjoyed the story behind it. I loved what it had to say uh, about an actual social issue uh, and personal issues of toxic relationships. Yeah, I did too. I really loved that. So, like, I really think this is uh, this one was a winner. All mm -hmm. right. So, um, so I guess. Uh... Go watch it and figure it out for yourself. <laughs> what do you expect us to do? All the thinking for you? <laughs> anyway, no. Um, so, yeah. So, there you go. That's one of the reasons I love doing these with you is two people, two different opinions. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So, there you go. Thank you, my love. Uh, that's another episode. We're not... We have a list of films that we are looking to tackle and try to get some stockpiled. And, of course, we've got big releases like Guardians of the Galaxy um yes. so stuff's coming uh and summer movies are coming out yep yep so uh so yeah so thank you for joining us thanks for coming along we'll see you next time and i think if you try you can get about five more so's in there so <laughs> i know right that's the problem with doing shit like this unscripted is you did and unedited like we don't edit these things we just slap them we're, we're not like one of these professionals that have like outtakes like it's just, it's just this is here it is first take one take wonder here we go um anyway thank you for joining us i didn't say so i almost did we're gonna do a swear jar for that. I'm like, I mean, kids every time uh 
Anywho, I'm going to make you put it in the swear jar every time your phone goes off while we're podcasting. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us. Thanks for coming along. And as always, drive safe, and we will see you at the movies. <laughs>